0: Welcome to Mind Love, episode 27. Today's episode is all about listening to your body.
1: Your mind and your brain are different. Your mind is the consciousness. Your brain is the physical matter. So it's getting those to work together with the body. Turn
0: up your frequency with Mind Love brain hacks for seekers, dreamers, and doers. It's time to give your mind a little love with your host, Melissa Monti. Hey, friends. First off, Mind Love is now a CastBox original. CastBox is the fastest-growing, highest-rated podcast app on both iOS and Android, where you can get all of your favorite podcasts. It has a super clean layout, and you can create playlists and download episodes to play offline. It's my personal favorite and where I listen to all of my podcasts. Don't worry, you can still listen to Mind Love wherever you get your podcasts, but I hope you'll give CastBox a try. Second, don't forget to subscribe in whatever podcast platform you're listening on, and leave a review if you can. Reviews really help us to entice more amazing guests. Plus, it helps grow the show, which ultimately helps me give more value to you guys. Now, I'm really excited about today's episode because this particular topic keeps getting brought up, and today we're going to expand on it. Whether we're trying to improve our health, connect more deeply with our intuition, or even improve our relationships, learning to listen to the body plays a critical role That's because our body is our experiential vehicle in our human existence. It's the human part of us that grounds us. And quite often, we treat it so badly that the messages it gives us are all about survival. But when we give it what it really needs, the messages can go beyond that. It allows for our highest self or our intuition to speak to us and guide us on our paths. Today, we're talking to Cole Hansen-Witty. She is a biointegration specialist, personal trainer, and keynote speaker. She works with a lot of people who thrive in fast-paced environments and struggle to understand the messages that their bodies are sending. Cole says that every body has a unique language that holds the key to their freedom, and her job is to help you identify what your body is trying to tell you. So today, three key things we will learn are how our bodies communicate with us, how to process out trauma that lives in the body, and how properly listening to our bodies benefits more than just our health. Before we dive in, I want to invite you to sign up for the Morning Mind Love. You'll get short daily reminders of your own beauty, worth, and power so you can start each day with a positive mindset and keep your vibes up between episodes. To sign up, visit mindlove.com and sign up right there on the homepage. You'll get some amazing free gifts when you do. First, you'll get our exclusive Powerless Booklet, which is an awesome free booklet based on proven principles from the most successful people and some of our favorite guests. Plus, you'll get a free guided affirmation meditation set at the Miracle Tone, which is known to help attract love, health, and abundance into your life. The layered affirmations perfectly tune your frequency for personal transformation. So be sure to head to mindlove.com to sign up. Or if you're out and about, just text the word MORNING to 33777. That's MORNING to 33777. And now, let's welcome Cole Hansen-Witty to the show.
1: Thank you so much. I'm stoked to be here and I'm already loving like every episode I've heard so far.
0: (laughs) I love that somebody with such a great message listens to my show. That means a lot. But before we get into your message, I want to know about your medical conditions that you've experienced. You have gone through a lot.
1: Well, I mean, my health in general has been an issue my entire life. So my body wasn't my health issue from pretty much like four years old. But as far as medical conditions, I had hypothyroidism, endometriosis. My first ovarian torsion was at 15 after the hello dance for high school. Not my ideal way to enter like a womanhood type age. I had arthritis in my knees. I actually had muscular scoliosis that was a 40 degree. I've had 26 broken bones. I've had fibromyalgia. I mean, the list is kind of endless, actually, depending on what part of my life you reference.
0: So why was all this happening to you? Or were you just the world's
1: unluckiest human? Well, it's interesting because in retrospect, I don't know that I could put it to just one thing, but I can tell you just from a lot of self-work I've done, plant medicine work I've done, energetic work I've done, that I can trace back why I stayed in this perpetual state of getting injured, at least with the broken bone element. So what I've realized is at some point as a child, i made the connection that when i got hurt i got significance love and attention because my parents worked full-time so my body because the body is very habitual that's how we grow and evolve it's not any different than as a child if i would have been bit by a snake and associated that snakes are dangerous i associated that pain brought love so what happened is Everyone called me Murphy's Law. I mean, I got kicked in the face by a horse. Things that you wouldn't say I did to myself on purpose by any stretch. But I believe that that law of attraction, that power of manifestation, first it was about getting love and significance. And then later on, my health became a nuisance and it became bothersome. So I started hiding it and internalizing a lot more. So it was almost like this conditioned response that I developed stopped serving me, but I was still under this habitual development that I had come across or that I had well, developed, lack of a better word. And then I had to hide it. So then my health became a problem. And then I started to see myself as problematic, always sick, and really took on that story. How long did it
0: take you to make these realizations? Because I can't imagine somebody who's hospitalized over and over again, feeling like they have any choice in the matter.
1: As I was saying, it was in retrospect that I can see what was happening, because when you're in it, you can't see. But when I was 26, I went to Disneyland with my ex-in-laws from my first marriage, and after three hours, I couldn't even walk anymore. My knees were so swollen from inflammation, and just my body was in so much pain. I sat down on the ground at Disneyland, and I just started to cry. I didn't have any children, and at that point, especially being married, figured that was in the future, and I really just felt like I couldn't live that way. So the only thing that I knew in that moment was that something had to change if I was going to continue living because that amount of pain I couldn't live through. Like I could not survive a lifetime through.
0: So you reached your breaking point and you knew something had to change. What were
1: your first steps towards that change? Sure. The first steps were diet changes. Um, It was the one thing that I could actively see and control. And the thing that's so crazy is going along with this idea and all of these injuries and, and how hard, quote unquote, my life was physically I knew I needed to start moving, but because of my arthritis in my knees, I couldn't do very much. So I had to buy a treadmill, and while moving the treadmill into our house, the treadmill fell on my toe and split my big toe in half. And I just remember, after being in the hospital, just being like, what did I do? do to deserve this like what did I do so, you know just like crying to God or the universe or whoever might be listening at that point because I wasn't I didn't really know that anyone was listening at this point point. and after realizing that now movement was not going to be an option the only thing I could do was diet So I started studying inflammation and basically detox protocols about getting rid of inflammation in my body. But I was looking for the fastest ways to lose weight and just learning. And I was just honestly seeking out a way to be in less pain so that I could carry on because I couldn't work the same. At that point, I was a sales rep for T-Mobile working in one of their flagship concept stores in Salt Lake City. And I couldn't stand at my job. So it was literally impacting every part of my life. So it was just the bottom of that I had nowhere else to go. I really, really didn't have a choice anymore aside from just dying. It almost sounds like the universe
0: forced you to focus on diet. Yeah. Like you think you're taking baby steps towards something and it literally comes crashing down.
1: Yeah. And it wasn't the first time. The universe had been giving me signals for a long time that I was not on the right path. That included a coma when I was 17 uh, from a drug overdose. And that was me being a smart drug user. And then I lied about that story for a long time. And I worked for partnership for a drug-free America. And I was helping the UN to establish programs for youth overseas. I was helping the government with soldiers to help with substance abuse education. And I thought I was doing this incredible thing for the world and high contribution that was my first when the body pain really started internally, was this idea that I was trying to help, but I was trying to do it for everything I'd ever done wrong. I was trying to like save my soul in some kind of way because I had been selling drugs before I overdosed. And knowing how many lives I impacted, that stepping into the other side to inspire youth, I was only doing it to try to save my soul is really the best explanation. (laughs) So the universe along the way gave me three or four serious wake up calls. Maybe I heard them the way I needed to hear them, but it took a few times for me to really stop and say, okay, I need to do this work on myself. I definitely didn't listen to my first wake up call. What were some of yours? Um, The coma was a big one, for sure, obviously. (laughs) But the interesting thing is the coma itself was not traumatizing for me. Even though I flatlined, even though I suffered pretty significant short-term memory loss the first two years, but the first year especially after the coma, what the wake-up call was was seeing my younger sister at 15 years old doing eight balls of Coke in the basement of my parents' house and knowing that I had always viewed her as the worthy one, the talented one, the one that, you know, could draw and got good grades. And to me, it was like, no, not her. Like for some reason it was okay if I was on that path because I deserved it, but it wasn't okay in my mind for her. Uh, What that first wake up call was, was I was gonna have to save myself if there was gonna be any hope of saving my little sister. So that was the first one. And that was my motivation to stay clean, to get away from substances, to not use drugs anymore. And the second wake up call was that severe, severe pain that day at Disneyland when I couldn't walk anymore. The third wake up call was when I was working for T Mobile as a sales rep. One of the other stores got got held at gunpoint. And I said I didn't make enough money to stay working for T-Mobile. And two or three weeks later, I got held at gunpoint at the store. And I I, that time just looked up and I said, I got it. I got to get out of this job. This isn't the place for me. So I left corporate America and then... Quit to do music full time and I said, I'm doing this for myself. And then, right after my music career started to flourish, is when my marriage came to a head. My first marriage, we got into just a very aggressive position in our relationship, and that kind of came to a head one night. That I was like, What am I doing? Like, this is not what I thought my life was gonna be. This is not how I pictured being married and I had to start to get very clear on the expectations I had created and what work I was doing myself to facilitate the life that I really felt like I, at that point that I did deserve. And I had so much going good in my life by the time I got to the end of that first marriage that, again, I was looking at the universe like, what did I do? How come I can't have everything? How come I can't have the relationship and the job that I love? Because at this point, I had Just quit my job. And that's, you know, one of those other moments that I was like, dude, what is going on? I've been working on myself so hard. I've been contributing. I've been, you know, doing the work. Why can't I have it all? That overarching
0: story is such a perfect example of how the universe guides you toward your highest good. Instead of looking at it like, why can't I have it all? It's a shift in perspective of you're just working on one area at a time. You mentioned how your health was affected by the stories that you were attaching yourself to. But you've also mentioned a lot of diet and fitness changes that you've made.
1: So would you say that one trumps the other or are they equally as important? We're more than our mind and we're more than our energy. We are also our physical body. And the body in itself is its own animal organism. That's what grounds us on this plane. So yes, mind matters, yes, energy matters, but the body is that's ever in the now and ever fully present, constantly. Your body doesn't think about the future or think about the past. It may carry some residual of trauma from the past, but only holding it as a present thing. Because your mind, right, your mind can get super future focused or always thinking ahead. It can get stuck in the past and obsessing with what's happened. Your heart and your spirit can travel anywhere through time, through space, but your body is only ever in the present. So if you aren't actively aware of and treating your body as if it is on the same plane of importance as your heart or your mind, how would that not directly correlate to its outward expression? Yes, you work on the mindset and it impacts the body, but you couldn't mind yourself over a broken arm. You couldn't, through the power of tension, say, well, then I never want to be hurt because we're here to experience. This is the experiential vehicle. And just because you have the intention to not get hurt, there is a higher intention for you to experience and to learn. So you have a degree of responsibility or desire in how you want to experience it in the vehicle. So yes, absolutely, mind matters. And the body matters just as much because trust and believe that as much as you may not want to believe that certain foods are highly inflammatory, highly toxic, you cannot mind yourself over a physical interaction or a chemical interaction that's occurring with your body as an organism. Although it would be great if we could. (laughs) It's true.
0: But what's really cool about his show is you can even leave a voicemail or send an email and he'll address your topic or question about mental or emotional help on the show. So no matter what you're going through, the Dr. John Deloney show is here for you. Listen to the Dr. John Deloney show wherever you get your podcasts or follow the link on the website. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I really need to get something off my chest. Being a mom of a three-year-old boy is really freaking hard and sometimes it has me questioning my sanity. It keeps coming up how much we've lost connection with listening to our bodies between substances we're putting in or mm-hmm. being taught to finish all the food on our plate when we're kids. But in learning to listen to our bodies, what are some of the ways that
1: our bodies communicate with us? Great question. The, you know, a lot of times or just often right now, we're hearing the term biohacking Right where there's all these supplements and things that you can do to hack into the intelligence of the body, lower inflammation, change your microbiome, that kind of thing. What's missing is biointegration. You might be in your body. But you are not integrated with your body and your body has that instinctual intelligence. Your instinct is what tells you if you're hungry. Now, that's if we remove, if it's addicted to certain types of foods. But if the body is a habitual thing, then it's going to latch on to certain kinds of foods. So let's just remove that out of the equation for now if you want to be able to hear the subtle cues because the body can only cue you through emotion or sensation. There's not any other way for it to communicate. So if you have really high inflammation, you might miss the little cues Or let's say you constantly have a certain pain in your back when you get up to go to work. Have you considered that that is your subconscious mind screaming at you that you don't want to go to work? This isn't part of your purpose or your plan or your intention or your desire. Your body is always leading you according to what your deep path and if you feel you deserve that path and what your underlying truths are so it takes first of all getting present because the body is present and if you're worried about having enough money coming in next month you're not present that's other work to do but some people access that through meditation and quieting their mind there's a way to discover what works for you the only way you can really do it is through a self-exploration If meditation doesn't work for you as far as getting present, then what about yoga? What about uh, some other type of movement? Because first, you have to mend the relationship with your body because we have been really, especially as women, we are so mean to our bodies that it's no wonder we don't trust ourselves because what we're not trusting is our body.
0: What are some of the steps that we can use to start learning to listen to
1: our bodies better? For me, I think the starting point was really from a deep, honest, authentic place, apologizing to my body and thanking it for performing the way that it has in spite of how I treated it and in spite of how I've spoken to it, fueled it, the some of the dangerous positions I put it in, and that it still has been there for me. So step one, in my opinion, is first really mending that relationship so that you can trust the cues, removing highly inflammatory foods and finding what foods really work for you. And after that, it's a daily practice. Uh, What I do is it's 15 minutes every single day. And I started a little body journal. It's a series of questions of what are my stress levels? What are my Like personal life, romantic life stress levels, my work stress levels, my financial stress levels, because those manifest a lot in body, stress does, and to also my day integrated in my body. So say I walk out into the street and all of a sudden my instinct jumps out of the way as a car comes by. That's the instinctual intelligence of the body. And the more in tune you are, the more present you are, you are leading with your body. And I always say it's kind of like If you look on Star Trek with Captain Kirk and Spock, your mind is Spock. It's the one that has all of the analytics and is always taking into account everything that's happened, everything that could happen. But at the end of the day, Captain Kirk is the one that makes the call. But he's doing it off of instinct. And some people would even say semi-reckless because he's not thinking ahead of time. He's following his body. He's following that instinct instinct. They may not understand why it's leading a certain way, but if we allow it to, and then we use our Spock mind to be more of the navigator of the situation versus the one coming up with the plan.
0: What's an example of a time that you listen to your body to guide your decisions
1: apart from something health related? It can be simple things. Like I was walking through a mall like two weekends ago with my husband and I said, man, I'm drawn to go into this store. So he's like, cool, let's go. Like his biggest thing is if I feel called to go somewhere, we go. He trusts my body where it leads us. And we're in this store and I try on a few. I like those like long flowy vest wrap kind of things. I'm obsessed with it. anything like that. I totally am into. And so I was trying a couple of those on, but nothing spoke to me. And a woman there, we started carrying conversation with her And it only took us two minutes before we were in a deep dive conversation of what's going on with her life. She's helping to take care of her sister's daughter. Her sister is in rehab and her sister is suffering from PTSD. She was in the military. And that's what my husband and I do for a living is help people to process stress and trauma that is stuck in their body. And it literally, in that time, in that 15 minutes we spent with her, we were able to give her some resources, we were able to give her some places to go for support for her as someone supporting this other person that's not only suffering from addiction and recovery, but PTSD from being a soldier, plus this little girl that's involved. And our life is led that way. Even the way we travel the country, we travel full time now is led off of where we are needed, where we are called to go. And it Always is perfectly aligned if we trust that body instinct. And it's the same, and I'm sure you've experienced this that when someone walks in the room and you have a bad feeling about them, to always trust it, not worry about the why. If it's your own judgment, you'll work on that in time. Don't worry about that part. Just always trust your instinct if it comes down to if you should remain somewhere, if you should leave, uh, because your body's first. Goal is survival. So always, always, always trust that instinct. You
0: mentioned helping people process trauma. A lot of us think of trauma as more of a mental condition, but it can actually live in the body. How does this happen? And how do we begin to
1: start to process it through or out of the body? Well, there's a. am going to answer a few things in there part of the thing that's going on especially with the self-help world right now is that people are trying to transcend humanness and just keeping it in the mind but we as humans our body right our consciousness is that kind of higher self and what people are always looking to transcend and connect with but that is not our humanness actually and the conditioning all comes because of body so if you've done a lot of work on your mind And say some deep spiritual practice, you have to also remember that the body has a language all of its own as well. And experiencing is imperative to consciousness. So if you leave the body out of the transformative experience, it's not going to be Completed because we are human. We are in this body. And the only time that no longer becomes the case is when we die. So that's when we fully transcend. When it comes to what's going on in the body, your first key indicator is pain because pain is that signal or that tap on the shoulder at first that's going like, hey, you said that you weren't going to work seven days in a row and i know you're building your awesome digital empire but you haven't been hydrating you haven't been taking me out for movement you haven't been fueling me with the right kinds of foods in order for me to function highly and we tend to treat a body like a machine it's not a machine as long as you treat it like a machine it's going to break down You know, even machines need to rest. The difference between rest and relaxation is huge.
0: Right. Just because we get off our phone for 20 minutes doesn't mean that
1: we're actually taking a nap or getting enough sleep. It's the equivalent of putting your car in park, but it's still on. In order for your body to rest, it needs to be turned off. Every person translates it a little bit differently or expresses it a little bit differently. You may realize you always get a certain pain in your hip when you're overstressed, you're overworked, you didn't get enough sleep. And that's why keeping a daily account, especially if you're in a hectic launch period or something like that, to make sure that you also are factoring in your rest practice and also kind of like your uh, launch plan according to what your body is going to need because your brain actually uses an insane amount of water. And then you're wondering why you're having a nervous breakdown at 8 p.m. because you haven't eaten. You don't have the carbohydrates to fuel your brain. You don't have the water. You're very dry. So your body starts to go into a fight or flight response because it is physically stressed. So you may have mind- Used your mind to say, Well, my mind really isn't stressed, but your body is very stressed, which is why you have anxiety, which is why you can't sleep, which is why it's unable to process some of the toxins you're putting into it because it has been like locked in at this fight or flight place. And with that adrenaline pumping constantly, then that's why you end up crashing. So, anyone that tries to mind over matter, all they do is prove how little they matter to themselves. So like how the the basic way that I explain it to people is you can't mind over matter your body. All that ends up coming from that is a crash. And when your body finally can't sustain it anymore, you're gonna get sick. So if it's about optimizing your business, the number one focus has to be about also giving your body the tools to be optimized, right? So as long as you find a practice to learn how to relax, to unplug a little bit, you'll actually get way more out of your body. And this everyone that ends up coming to me or coming to my husband is because they've been mind over matter with their body for a long time. And now they have thyroid problems, Hashimoto's. It's basically they're being so hard on themselves emotionally, mentally, that they're starting to break apart from the inside out. They start to have worse inflammation and their diet's perfect. And they're like, I don't understand. I never mess up on my diet. I work out every single day and my body's falling apart. And it's really the physical manifestation of how hard they're being on themselves.
0: Creating a healthy lifestyle can feel really overwhelming, especially in the beginning, because we might need a complete overhaul in every area. We're not getting enough sleep. We're not eating the right foods. We're not getting enough movement throughout the day. Our relationship sucks. Our job sucks. So how do we know the most important place
1: to start? I mean, the first step is always identifying what you want So often, we, and I say we as women, because that's mostly who I deal with is women, the most common thing is that women don't actually know what they want, and then they're disappointed when they're offered things that aren't what they wanted, but they were never clear with it to begin with, and so that also was never clearly communicated into their external experience of their life. So step one is getting very clear on what you want. If that means getting out of your job, then it needs to be your number one priority above all all things. For me, it's making affirmations, but it's a few step process, right? It's not just writing down an affirmation and saying I want to make $30,000 a month. In order for you to actualize that transition, for your body to lead you through that, you need to experience the affirmation. So the best way to do that is one, write it down so that your eyes can experience the affirmation and your hands can experience it, right? We're making this a body based experience after it's written down I put it up on the mirror I use sticky notes right me and my husband each have our side of our you know things that we want to affirm and from there you have to be extremely specific maybe you you don't have the specificity yet and that's okay right It's the first step. And if 30,000 is too much of an amount for you to imagine, start lower. And I'll tell you why. If your subconscious mind does not believe by any stretch that it's possible, then you writing it is not gonna work. Right. And people will say, well, no, the power of manifestation, you can put anything you want. Yeah. Let me know how that goes, because then people end up coming to me because they can't even get five thousand dollars in a month. So let's, you know, really embody this process. So now once it's up on your mirror, you read it and then you look yourself in the eyes because the person that needs convincing that this is possible is you not the universe. The universe already knows. They're waiting for you to get the memo that you believe that this is possible. So you say it out loud through vibration, from you vocalizing it through the ears, because it can hear it. And then your eyes are experiencing and witnessing this to be true, right? So now that's what embodiment of something is not in body, embody like the full experience because your mind and your brain are different your mind is the consciousness your brain is the physical matter right so it's getting those to work together with the body because your consciousness can believe it all day long if the body's not on board it's not going to happen so on in my opinion that is the first most important place to start and to update them weekly as it evolves, as it changes, as it shifts, or you get more specific, because the more broad you leave it, it stays broad.
0: You mentioned an example of this when we were speaking privately about a launch you did with a goal to help a thousand women.
1: And I did, which was awesome. I did not specify that I wanted them to purchase the offering, you know, because they could watch it for free, and then if they wanted to keep it, they could keep it. And. I did sell some, which was great, you know, but I made just enough to cover my expenses. So the universe was like, all right, that's cute. I'm going to have you meet your metric goal. But my biggest lesson right now is being specific with the amount of money I need to bring in. And that's been a hard, hard realization for me to really bite into. And this is like full transparency right here. I can make any amount of money, but I always make just enough Right. And that's because I've been saying I am enough just the way that I am. I am enough. It was important to get to that. It was important to say that I am perfectly perfect where I am right now. Now I have to step that up too, right? We're all on a path. And my next level is specifying what that needs to look like in order for me to facilitate the contribution I dream of making because my team needs to grow. My business expenses are growing, which means I have to ask for more money, right, in specificity.
0: All rely on it too, which to me says a lot about its effectiveness. Here's what makes them really unique. They recently launched a hot chocolate line with flavors like chocolate mint, chocolate chai, and chocolate raspberry. Ever since I went alcohol-free, I've been really intentional about luxurious, health-focused drinks, so I can sit back and unwind while actually doing good for my body. And the Element Chocolate Chai is great for relaxing in the evening or warming up after winter sports. And you can try Element totally risk-free. If you don't like it, you'll get your money back. No questions asked. Receive a free Element sample pack with any order when you purchase through drinkelement.com slash mindlove. That's drinkelement.com slash mindlove to get a free starter pack with any order. I'm constantly sharing with my clients to stop searching in life and instead start aligning. You and your husband have a great relationship, working closely together in your careers, and you mentioned earlier how he doesn't just encourage you to listen to your body, he listens to your body's guidance as well. Talk about relationship goals, but it actually kind of reminds me of my hubby, but I know we all can create this dynamic of nagging or calling out our partner's flaws. And this really has the opposite effect of what we're trying to accomplish because like we're just talking about affirmations, you're affirming to your loved one over and over again, all these things that you want them to stop doing. So what are some of your tips for creating a healthier dynamic within your relationship and just being a supportive partner so that you can assist in each other's transformation
1: well it came mostly from doing the work on ourselves and understanding that if he does something that i feel just really bugs me it wasn't him doing it it's an old pattern or an old conditioned belief from the past because the truth is for anyone that's done at least some base level self-work you don't get triggered that easily by something like they didn't put the dishes away again right which is by the way always me he's the one always doing the dishes, but you know, just for example, that anytime you feel that emotional response, it doesn't have to do with that person. Even if they always do it and you repeatedly tell them you need it done, it still doesn't have to do with the particular incident. It has to do with your response or your relationship to people not doing what they said they would do, or they always do this to you, or there is a deeper... Uh, mindset involved in that so a lot of it is honestly doing the work on yourself and learning how to find those tools for communication just like doing the research on this self-work and everyone reading all the books about manifestation or you know leveling up or whatever do the same with relationships people do not put the same commitment into understanding the dynamics of relationships and obviously you need a partner that's on board with that if you don't then you're gonna have your own set of you know trickiness to it like you're gonna have work to do it doesn't mean it's impossible but it is certainly significantly harder when both people are on board so true
0: in my relationship one of our most helpful practices is to try to remember that emotional responses aren't logical and to be okay with that some things don't have some deeper reason as to why it was said or reflect some underlying grudge there's this amazing video on youtube called athene's theory of everything i'll link to it in the show notes but it talks about how we have these emotional responses that are completely irrational. And then our logical brain tries to reason why we reacted that way. Then we attach to these reasons and then they actually become things that didn't exist before. So on my end, instead of always trying to explain why I reacted some way, I just say, sorry, babe, I have no idea what that was about. And Shane's okay with that response instead of being like, but why would you do something like that? Do you have any specific practice that has helped you two the most?
1: We have something we called the three Ps. And it's pause, physical, scan, proceed. So pause, physical, scan, Proceed. The first thing is to literally pause. If you're trying to communicate something, it's not coming out clearly, you're starting to feel that like Alice in Wonderland rabbit hole coming that you both always fall down and it turns into a, you know, 30 minute thing about nothing. Start by practicing the pause because if you literally pause from what you're doing and open your awareness to yourself and what's around you then this is like the most important skill that you can develop at first because this will seriously change your life cuz it gives you the opportunity to choose differently the we are as humans habitual right i mentioned that earlier so your body's going to automatically flip into a response that it's had in the past if it feels defensive By getting that pause, it's almost like stopping the gears spinning for a second so that you can choose to react differently. Now, for me, my husband and I, what we discussed was the most important thing is that we get back to the fun. Whatever's in the way, whatever's going on, we've got to figure it out so we can get back to feeling connected and fun so we had to have conversations in the good times when we're in a good mood about saying hey when how can I let you know that the dishes weren't put away in a way that's not going to trigger you because it's really important to me and you said you would right how can I communicate it to you and having the person say you know it would work best for me if you just say hey baby you know you had you had mentioned that you would put the dishes away could you do that for me So that's the opportunity you get from the pause, right? The next thing after the pause, the number two thing is a physical scan. Because after you pause, you can scan your whole body. Where do you feel it? Do you feel it as stress? Do you feel like a tightness? Do you feel like a poking? Do you feel like your throat is choked? These kind of cues are important too because it's going to give you some perspective on what could be going on by checking your physical cues because your mind has nothing to do with that. So if you can tag every spot and be super specific and even just a check-in kind of a thing, then you're going to find out that you have pretty consistent physical manifestations or sensations with certain kinds of stress or certain kinds of situations. So it's going to help you to understand and attune yourself with what's going on and how you can manage it because your body does the cues much sooner than your mind even does. So if you're having a conversation, you start to feel say that lump in your throat starting to form. That's your first key indicator that your trigger is coming that that moment that you shut down is coming or that you blow up is coming so in recognizing your body and learning your body your body cues way before the mind does so you can go oh it's happening okay Hey honey, I need to just take 2 minutes cuz I can feel my body and my nervous system getting a little turned on right now. Can you give me 5 minutes to just go breathe cuz I I don't want to escalate the situation cuz this is when you can still think a little clearly. Right? You'll just like anything else, you'll catch it sooner and sooner the more you practice it. And then once you say you need to get a little bit of space for a moment, you've got to reflect, have I been breathing? Have I had enough water and have I eaten? Because I don't know about you, but I get hangry oh yes like I this is a serious serious situation for me (laughs) like even one of my girlfriends she was late for dinner at a restaurant because it was going to be 45 minutes later and I said I have to order something because if not somebody is going to die today and she's like no 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 I know I know how you get it's not a joke and I know myself when my blood sugar gets low I get closed I get angry and tight and you know whatever so checking in with yourself If your body isn't hydrated, if your body's not fed, and if you haven't taken a breath, you're already going to be in a heightened state anyway. Because unlike food and water, your body can't live without oxygen. So if you've been taking little short breaths and your body is not getting enough oxygen and it's getting kind of an overabundance of carbon dioxide, it's going into a stressed out state, that fight or flight again. So that's your body starting to already feel anxiety. Because the one thing it cannot go longer than seven minutes without is oxygen. So start by giving yourself a little space to breathe, hydrate, eat something. So that's in that, right after that physical scan, once you've established what's going on. From there is that third step to proceed. Because once you've been hydrated and oxygenated and fed, you're more equipped to handle it, right? So this is what self-care is epitomizes. This is the most critical self-care step you can take because you might realize you've been doing too much, which is why you're a little bit stressed out or you're being snappy with your partner. They do not deserve to be the receiver of your anger or the fact that you're not taking care of yourself. And it's that's kind of part of taking personal responsibility because we don't have to live that way and it makes it easier for everyone involved it makes it easier for your spouse just to connect more
0: that's so true people think of self-care as something selfish but it's a ripple effect if you're not taking care of your body you're going to put your mental state in whatever your fight or flight mode is anxiety stress depression Then, in your interactions with other people, you're going to pass that along in one way or another. Every single one of us matters, and the energy we carry matters. It's our duty to meet the world as our highest possible selves, because then we give permission and support for others to be their highest possible selves. Especially in high achievers or the business or entrepreneurial world, we tend to wear Our self-neglect is almost a badge of honor, but we really need to break that cycle because it's not doing good for anyone,
1: right? There's a reason why lawyers become partner by the most billable hours, not by the most wins. We constantly are being conditioned that the harder you work, it's good for you. Yeah, I've been putting in 70 hour weeks. That's awesome. I've been building my business and I never sleep. That's part of the problem is that we're feeding that energy, right? By just saying like, oh man, I haven't slept for three days and it's been so hard. And people are like, wow, that's why you're such a high achiever and you're getting everything done. It's like, uh, no. (laughs)
0: Well, I for one am committing to breaking that cycle now and I hope listeners will join me in that commitment. Like I said in one of my earliest episodes, we have to put on our own oxygen masks first. I love action items. So what can listeners do today to help us better tune in and start listening to the signals and messages that our body is sending us?
1: If you can take a few minutes just to imagine what it would feel like in your body to not feel like it's against you, to not have this residual pain. I've noticed more than anything else that women are having constant issues from um, endometriosis, PCOS, and most of it is diet and stress. Most of it, and people don't want to believe it, and women don't want to think that it is that simple, and it absolutely is. That doesn't mean that it's all of it, but one of my last events was called the Women's Womb Healing Summit. One woman, just from watching one of the interviews, changed her diet just by going more vegan. Not all vegan, but she just went more plant-based anyway. And after 30 days, she has PCOS, she went from a 52-day period to a 32-day period. That's huge. And the only thing she did was eat less meat. That's it, right? That doesn't mean that's the case for everyone. But we have been conditioned to be so out of our bodies, right? And we've been on birth control since we were 15. That's a whole other episode, you know, as far as getting into natural treatment for hormones and periods and that kind of thing. But we don't even have the key indicator of our health For us to check anymore. And that's our period because we've been put on birth control so young. Again, I'm not saying we shouldn't have birth control, but we have, from the moment we were born, been taught to not trust our bodies. So the only thing that I encourage every woman listening and any man that loves a woman who might be listening. To start doing research, because even if you have a medical condition, I have been free of medical conditions and medications since 2009. You can be pain-free. You can be medication-free. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but it is so worth it, because being on the other side of it, I never even imagined. I never imagined what this would be like, and at 35, I'm the healthiest I've ever been and looking forward to the future.
0: Beautiful. For listeners who are interested in working with you or connecting with you in some way, where can they find you
1: online? The first stop is ta which is t-a-h-k-o-l-e.com and second i have expand to experience.com that's more about our workshops and our retreats we lead trips to peru every year and then there's healingyourwomb.com and that is a program for women that was a 27 woman expert panel of 25 hours of content all about women's health everything from period and hormone imbalances to healing from sexual abuse or you know anything energetic around that area of the body.
0: I, for one, have had and still have a lot of work to do in rebuilding that relationship with my body. But I don't think it needs to be as hard as we make it out to be. I have a little challenge for you guys. What I'm currently working on is before I make any decision, stop and think about those three Ps that Cole talked about. Pause, physical scan, proceed. How many of our negative emotions can be avoided if we stop and we think, is my body fed? Is it watered? Has it had enough rest? And am I loving it? Am I giving it self care? Am I talking to it correctly? Try this as long as possible, or join me in making it my lifestyle, and then reach out to me and let me know how it goes. All of the links mentioned in this episode are at mindlove.com slash 027, as well as the amazing video that I mentioned earlier, Athene's Theory of Everything. It's about 45 minutes, but it's a must watch. It'll really change your perspective on emotions and how the human brain works. If you love this episode, please leave a review. Or if you're listening on CastBox, join in on the comments. I try to respond to every single comment that I get. If you have an extra moment, please leave a review on iTunes. It's probably the most helpful thing you can do other than sharing this podcast with your friends. Thanks for tuning into Your Higher Frequency with MindLove. Head to mindlove.com for a free gift to keep your vibes up until next week.